Hey guys, Sean Hayes here. Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and I had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to sit down with not one, not two, but three presidents of the United States on our recent episode of Smartless. That's because President Biden, a returning guest, brought two of his favorite pals, former Presidents Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, all joined us for unforgettable conversation. It's a historic episode of Smartless as we pry into the minds of these remarkable leaders. We'll cover everything from their time in office, America's responsibilities in the world, and their personal passions in an episode full of some candid stories, insightful perspectives, and a few surprises along the way. Whether you're a political junkie or just curious about the inner workings of the Oval Office, this episode is a must listen. Don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to hear from three of the most influential figures in recent American history. Follow Smartless on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to Smartless ad free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Welcome to the 26th and final episode of Love It or Leave It, Back in the Closet. Used to be live on stage with streaming fans, but COVID changed his plans, so now he's streaming. Working from home, he wants to go outside, but doesn't want to die, so keep on dreaming. That song was sent in by Michael Dillenberger, crushing it on the theme, crushing it in the name department, Dillenberger. So this is our final week of Back in the Closet episodes. Are we still recording remotely? Of course we are. But I know that for me, life from home can be hard, but politics from home feels harder. It has been six months of terrible, terrible news and noise after four very long years, all without the release valves of meeting friends at a restaurant or seeing a movie or going to a rave and we all miss raves, and there has been so much hardship for people that have lost jobs or gotten sick, and I was texting with a friend of mine uh, who has kids, and all my friends with kids describe dealing with their children as if a skittish deer broke into a pottery studio and destroyed the place, and then society turned to them and said, "Um, you have to get the deer to calm down so you can teach the deer how to make a vase. So I will normally say this in a more hopeful way, but today I'm going to say it like this, that we have 60 days to make them pay for the last six months. We have 60 days to shake ourselves out of a torpor, if that's where you're at, and win and win everywhere and win by a lot. So we're not in the closet anymore. We're in the home stretch, and we're going to talk about what happened each week. But more than ever, we're going to talk about what we can do and how we can stay in the fight. So if you haven't signed up yet, sign up at votesaveamerica.com. And if you want to submit a home stretch theme song to get people hyped, send it my way at leaveitatcricket.com, and maybe we'll use yours. And I want to figure out a way to share all the back-in-the-closet themes we got because they were so amazing, and I'm so excited to hear your hype songs 
for the home stretch. Now, in that spirit, the conventions are over. Many states have less than one month to finish registering voters ahead of Election Day. Earlier this year, Vote Save America teamed up with Power Pack to launch the Every Last Vote Fund. The fund supports aggressive on-the-ground efforts to mobilize black, brown, indigenous, and other marginalized communities who are routinely the victims of targeted voter disenfranchisement efforts. We want to raise 750000 to help them do what they do. So you can visit at votesaveamerica.com slash everyvote to donate and learn more. Later in the show, we'll be joined by activists and Barberin and journalist and video game completionist Ronan Farrow for a return of uh, our version of the Newlywed game, which was, per usual, a mess. But first, she's a comedian, author of the book, obviously, and co-host of Crooked's Daily News Pod, What a Day. Welcome back, returning champion, Akilah Hughes. Thank you so much, John. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into it. What a week. On Tuesday, seemingly out of nowhere, President Trump denied that he had a series of mini-strokes in November 2019. Trump followed this by saying it was a series of huge strokes, big, beautiful (laughs) strokes. People say to me, people are always coming up and saying, how did you get the strokes so big? I didn't know these strokes, they could be so incredible. And they are incredible. They really are powerful. More and more doctors are saying it. (laughs) I give that 10 out of 10. Okay, right. (laughs) Yes. Giant strokes. We still don't know. I mean- Why did he bring it up? (laughs) (laughs) it's like and also people i'm hearing that people are saying my dick doesn't get hard who said that why are people saying that like no one was thinking about that (laughs) but now we are yeah it's like uh it's like that joke that um you know my shirt that says i'm not a human trafficker is raising a lot of questions answered by my shirt (laughs) (laughs) that's not my joke it's an it's a twitter joke i like it whoever wrote that joke it's a great joke shout out to you (laughs) shout out Also this week, we learned that uh, according to Sarah Huckabee Sanders' new memoir, President Trump told Sanders to take one for the team after Kim Jong-un winked at her at a 2018 summit in Singapore. Look, Michelle Wolf learned the hard way. If you want to joke about Sarah Huckabee Sanders in 2018, you cannot mention her makeup. Just stick to safe topics like her being jokingly ordered to fuck a murderous dictator. (laughs) Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, damn. Again, why did she write this? <laughs> Who was curious? I, I assume it's meant to be charming, although my understanding is that her reaction in the book is stop. <laughs> Great. So, <laughs> so wonderful. Oh, man. Also, we learned this week that the U.S. will not be participating in a global effort to develop and distribute a COVID-19 vaccine, in part because the strategy is led by the World Health Organization, which Trump has targeted purely as a scapegoat for his failures to contain the virus in the U.S. So we're cutting ourselves off from the rest of the world, which is great because the U.S. actually prefers to eat lunch by itself in the choir room. (laughs) I mean, the thing is, that makes America sympathetic, and I'm not sympathetic. (laughs) Yeah. This is like a teacher that's like not going to grade the tests. <laughs> or it's, it's, um, so then it's, everybody it's, else on earth has to suffer. We're like, can we just get out of this class? And they're like, no. It's, it's a bit like we're at the part of the movie where the popular kid is finally getting their comeuppance and actually their meanness and bullying isn't working. Yes. And then that, it's the point of the movie where the, the bully villain turns to the henchman and goes, come on, Jake, let's get out of here. And Jake's like, I'm staying with the nerds. <laughs> And you know what I mean? Together. And Jake's yeah. like, it turns out actually the gay kid and I are friends and maybe I'm gay. 
It's like the part in every 90s movie where the hot girl or like the girl who was regular who got the makeover who became hot realizes the guy is a dick and like paid to go on a date with her. But he keeps trying to pay <laughs> to go on the date with her. He's just like relentlessly, I can just, I can do this. This is who I am now. I'm the guy who pays for sex in high school. All right. Well, I think we ran that to ground. Yeah. Well, yeah, I got no more metaphors and or similes. After spending $200,000 in Facebook ads since May disparaging vote by mail, Trump's re-election campaign spent $650,000 on Facebook ads over the past week encouraging his supporters to request absentee ballots. So if your great aunt who lives in Scottsdale and refuses to try sushi because it's raw suddenly asks you for help working her printer, just tell her you're busy and distract her by saying your pronouns are they, them. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's fair. Yeah. (laughs) She'll get on Twitter and yell about it. (laughs) During Trump's intentionally divisive visit to Kenosha, he posed in front of a burned-down business with a man pretending to be the current owner of the shop. The current owner was furious because he committed arson for the insurance. (laughs) (laughs) Groans, scattered applause. (laughs) Wait, I have have more. Here we go. This is is in the voice of that owner. Okay, you ready? All right. (laughs) You try to take advantage of some unrest to get a little insurance money, retire, maybe head down to Scottsdale with the missus. It's not right, but you know what? One time you take a little extra. One time in your whole goddamn life you don't play by the rules. You are always the guy that drove back to the bank with the extra 20 and you look around and nobody cares. Not in this America. Not now. So you count some cards and you push your chips forward. Next thing you know, the worst president in history and some jagoff pretending to be you is saying blue lives matter in front of your crime scene. (laughs) Well... Yeah, dang. I want that guy to find peace. <laughs> Clearly his business wasn't, wasn't cutting it. He just wanted a new life. I understand. <laughs> Cut him some slack, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, Keela, I know you're a roommate. I think you've probably thought about it. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> On Monday, Joe Biden came out of his basement to give a speech in Pittsburgh, America's basement. During <laughs> Pittsburgh, I, I want to be clear that I apologize to Joe Biden and I apologize to Pittsburgh for saying those things. I don't. <laughs> I'm a Bengals fan. Pittsburgh can eat my shorts. Continue. Eat my shorts. During the speech, Biden said this. He said this week, and I quote, you better vote for me or you're going to have the greatest depression you've ever seen. Trump, in response, gave a series of absolutely wild television appearances. First, he accused Biden of being on drugs. What do you think he's on? I'll tell you, well, he's on some kind of an enhancement, in my opinion. And I say we should both. I should take a drug test, so should he. Because we don't want to have a situation where a guy is taking some kind of a... It's like athletes, like a... No, no, he should take... I want to take one. I'll take one. He'll take one. We should both take a drug test. That hydroxychloroquine spokesman is right. Taking drugs outside of a controlled clinical setting is dangerous. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. You made the point. You know? <laughs> we, we must make sure, Akila, that our candidates are not taking governing enhancing drugs. That's exactly right. What message would that send to the child candidates, the, the Pete's Buttigieg, the Johns Ossoffs, these young people, these influencers? <laughs> At this point, I would hope that Trump would take some governing and enhancing drugs if it means we could get out of this shit. Like, figure something out, dog. Then outdoing himself, Trump uh, decided to share his thoughts about uh, uh, one of Antifa's uh, weapons of choice. Oh, yeah. And then they have cans of soup. Soup. And they throw the cans of soup. That's better than a brick because you can't throw a brick. It's too heavy. 
But a can of soup, you can really put some power into that, right? Yes, sir. And then when they get caught, they say, no, this is soup for my family. They're so innocent. This is soup for my family. Uh, it's incredible. And you have people coming over with bags of soup, big bags of soup. I've heard of the Anarchist Cookbook, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> hey, Akila. Hey, Akila. What do you call Donald Trump complaining about bisque? You call him a soup Nazi. Okay. <laughs> hey, what's next, Akila? Is he going to sign an executive order that says no soup for you? <laughs> <laughs> it's too early for that one. <laughs> hey, hey, Akila. Who do you think he's going to unleash uh, to deal with these uh, soup-wielding Antifa? I don't know, John. Who? It's the Gaspacho Gestapo. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Is my mic is my mic not working? Gaspacho Gestapo. Uh, you know. Is it I not think coming you through clear? One more time. It might. <laughs> these militias are very serious. I don't. It's very scary. I just the soup thing is is really struck me only because I'm like, how many instances of giant bags of soup <laughs> were there? This is a one. This is like Paul Bunyan level, like tall tale. <laughs> like it's not like a lot of people saw this happen. Yeah. This was a real thing. These, this Antifa, they got this one guy. He's real strong. He's stronger than an engine. He can uh, <laughs> cut through a mountain with two hammers. Stronger than any engine. He can beat the engine. That's what's so amazing about this Antifa. That's how strong they're brutal, strong, evil people with yes. with, with two hammers. They can get through the mountain. Tall. Twenty <laughs> feet tall. <laughs> Uh, one of these guys, Antifa, they got this uh, big blue ox. <laughs> and they say his life doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, man. Blue ox is blue ox. <laughs> blue ox, blue ox lives, lives matter. matter. <laughs> We've done it. The height of comedy. <laughs> Wrap it up. We're done. The applause sign is, uh, is down, I guess. It's broke. <laughs> <laughs> Sparks coming up. The, the applause sign fell on a tourist visiting from the Midwest. Oh. Uh, and and they had tickets for Corden tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> and then after saying Joe Biden was controlled by the far left, he said this to Laura Ingram. She's not controlling anything. Who, who do you they think is pulling him. Biden's strings? Uh, is it former Obama People officials? that you've never heard of. People that are in the dark shadows, people that... Oh, what are, does that mean? That sounds like conspiracy theory, dark shadows. No, what is people that? that you haven't heard of. They're, they're people that are on the streets. They're people that are controlling the streets. We had somebody get on a plane from a certain city this weekend. And in the plane, it was almost completely loaded with, with thugs wearing these dark uniforms, black uniforms with gear and this and that. They're, they're on a plane. Where's the where's this? I'll tell you sometime, but I, I, it's under investigation right now. I don't know about you, Akilah, but I love Antifa Air. The rewards program is comparable to Delta. The lounge is fine, though mostly they have milk and soup. But a little travel hack, all right, a little tip. Don't buy a first-class ticket. That is a trap, and you will regret it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I just, I think my favorite part about him talking about Antifa is that they're telling the, these looters that are on the plane together are telling the people who aren't looters who just got on the wrong plane, I guess, that they're looters. Like, that's just like, oh, what are you doing? Are you traveling for business or pleasure? Looting mostly. <laughs> I was hoping to burn down a target. <laughs> anyway, meanwhile, as Trump is fanning the flames of conspiracy theories, Senator Joni Ernst, facing a tough re-election, parroted a QAnon conspiracy theory that the number of coronavirus dead is drastically inflated. Joni, 
If you want to get fired that badly, just tweet something awful when Betty White dies. <laughs> she's never oh going to die is the problem. I mean, All not right. a problem. I'm glad she's going to live forever. I'm just saying that that lady is never going to get that opportunity, John. <laughs> the face you made, the, 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 the horrified face is something I won't forget. Yeah, I went through all five stages of grief at once. <laughs> and finally, this week, Senator Ed Markey defeated challenger Joe Kennedy in the Democratic Senate primary in Massachusetts. This is a huge victory for the Green New Deal progressives and for Twitter users who posted pictures of Ed Markey from the 80s because it seemed like the thing to do. That's <laughs> true. Shout out to all of you. Huh? Oh, man. I just hope that I, uh, the, the world is still here when I'm old so that people can remember when I was hot. Anytime something happens, you're like, remember when she was hot? <laughs> and I'm like, that's right. <laughs> Post that pic. There was an interview that uh, Fran Lebowitz, the writer, gave about pictures. And she said that when she was younger, she hated pictures of herself. But over time, she likes all old pictures of herself because all the ways in which you thought you looked good or bad fade away and you just look young. Yeah. And I know that that's a smart thing to embrace when I see photos of myself now that I hate. But I can't because I'm in it, you know? Yeah. I'm in yeah. it. Yeah. It's like how I've always thought if I just lost like five pounds or like five pounds from my like stomach went to my butt, like that would be everything. And I'm like, yeah, but now it's 10. <laughs> now it's 15. Well, now right. It's, it's uh, right. It's yeah, literally it's, not getting any better. So why can't I just appreciate it? That's a, yes. I feel the same way. Like the, that's, the deeper we get into um, quarantine life, the more photos from last year that I was like, we got to get our shit together are now like, who is that fucking model? Yes. I'm like, look <laughs> at her walk down the hall. Yeah. Her thighs were touching and like in a beautiful way, <laughs> in a way that we all appreciated for what it was. It's a lesson. And just one more note on the Ed Markey race. If you listen to the interview, you know that um, I've exacted some pretty significant concessions from Senator Ed Markey on the issue of daylight saving. And uh, I will not forget it and I will return to it uh, and I expect him to keep his word that's all I'll say about that okay so about daylight savings just a real quick question mm -hmm. like <laughs> which time do you want to be in the one that we're in now or the one from the fall so here's what I think uh, I want I personally like daylight saving time I don't want dark at four got it you never want to be plunged into darkness I never want to be plunged into darkness I want us to I want I think in the end most places should remain on daylight saving time permanently but my actual position is that Depending on where you are in a time zone, sunrise and sunset come earlier or later. So uh, sunrise and sunset in Boston is almost an hour earlier than it is in Detroit. So Detroit might be better off in standard time. That's right. And Massachusetts might be better off on, on daylight saving time. My view is that basically right now the law says you can be on either permanent standard time or you can do the time jump to get the summer hours. The time jump is really harmful. Yeah. So states need a third option, which is that states should be allowed to decide on permanent daylight saving time. Then you give states a window to choose, basically one of three. Keep the time jump, which is mostly pretty harmful. There's probably a few states that might want to keep it. Do standard time, which would be a change for a bunch of states because most, because virtually all states now embrace daylight saving time. Or do permanent daylight saving time, which is already kind of proposed and passed in a number of states if we can get the federal government to change the uh, law. So that's the issue. That's the yeah. that's my view on it right now. I'm, I'm going to talk to some sleep scientists on this show to <laughs> kind of keep diving in on this. All right. Because I actually think it's one of those things like it's not ideological, but it's just something that can make life a little bit better. And the time shift is so stupid mm -hmm. um, and harmful and deadly. Like yeah. we should probably stop doing this thing that's unnecessary that kills people mm -hmm. every fall and spring. That's my view. But this is America and we like not making changes that can prevent preventable death. Right. We actually embrace preventable death. It's one of our 
It's, it's actually it the was third the ultimate. <laughs> under the thing about the yeah. hotels with the the militias. It's it actually on, right under that. They're like, also, you guys should probably <laughs> hotels with the militias. Yeah, it was um, it was also it was like e pluribus unum, mm-hmm. embrace preventable death, <laughs> militias. Yes, but they don't get hotel rooms yeah. unless the hotel is cool with it. Yeah, it's got to be two queen beds, <laughs> not the one king, as I remember it <laughs> from my schooling. <laughs> oh, man. Hilton shall quarter no troops unless there's a pullout the in the room, in the suite. is not free. <laughs> it is an additional charge. It is not hot. Akila Hughes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Delight, as always. Thank you so much for joining for the monologue. When we come back, Ronan's here to play the Achuli spread game. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. This podcast is brought to you by Americans United for Separation of Church and State. Americans United defends your freedom to live as yourself and believe as you choose so long as you don't harm others. Core freedoms and even democracy itself rest upon the wall of separation between church and state. While Christian nationalists are attacking these freedoms, seeking to force us all to live by their narrow beliefs, Americans United is fighting back. Freedom without favor and equality without exception. Learn more about AU's work at au.org slash crooked. That's au.org slash crooked. And we're back. (laughs) Joining us... Hey, Kayla. Hi. We're not up to you yet. Sorry. <laughs> Joining us from across the couch from me, he's a Pulitzer Prize winning author, journalist. Welcome back to the show, The Grim Reaper for Hansy Creepers, The King of Consent, The Man, I Catch and Kiss, Ronan Farrow. <laughs> really? What's that? Kiss? It's fine. What All right. Say that like. Hi, everyone. Hi, Kayla. Hi. It's, it says here in the notes from Travis, have a nice conversation with your husband. Don't forget to compliment him and notice something about him you don't normally notice. Aww. Isn't he dreamy? You're lucky. You should remind yourself of that more often. Okay, now brush his hair behind his ears and just see where it goes. No, thank you, Travis. Ronan saying nothing. <laughs> Let's be honest. What Travis is really setting us up for what? is... What is he setting us up for? More relationship destruction. <laughs> I know, right? That's right because oh, good. He point. just likes to watch the world burn. That's a good point. That is um, right because the questions are going to be awful. So he's setting us up. Mm-hmm. So just make sure that right, you uh, you this. know compliment. All right. Well, here is how I don't understand the rules. We're 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 entering our answers here, and then we're, we're showing. <laughs> can them. you just let the okay? All right. I fine. mean, you can host it if you want, Ronan. I I like. <laughs> I don't mind. I think you do a great job. And John and I have enough history at this point that we can play. <laughs> Since our last episode back in the closet, we thought we'd check in as a couple, just like we did back in April, because in 2020, when it comes to spending time as a couple, it's about quantity, not quality, and we wanted to see just how much we are learning about each other in a segment we call the Achuli Spread Game. As Kumail Nanjiani pointed out the first time we played, sneezing is not a symptom, usually, of COVID-19, but since Rona and I will be playing this game, we are, uh, as you can tell, bringing in an impartial ringer as the host. She's the incredible funny host of Crooked Media's What a Day. You remember from the monologue. Please welcome Akila Hughes. Oh my God, thank you so much. Wow. I love it here. <laughs> warm welcome, warm welcome. Beautiful intro. All right, well, let's talk about how this game works. All right, so I'm going to ask one of you a question about the other person, and then that person has to write down their answer, and you have to guess what they wrote down. Do you remember that, Ronan? And, and the that relationship part? survived the last time. So yeah, we we're, did, still we're still together, here. it seems. We're still yeah. here. All right. Well, if you all are ready, let's just get into it. This first question is for Ronan. Okay. 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 All right. Ronan, what meal has John learned how to make during quarantine that he's most proud of? 
Oh, that's such a hard one. It's you have to write it down. All right, I have my answer written down. All right, I, I know my answer. Okay, Ronan, what do you think? It's the kind of tomatoey and anchovy heavy saucy pasta by uh, some chef of note, some wow. celebrity chef. Mm. So, so <laughs> am I right? No, because that is one pasta ago. You're close. That was the Allison Roman pasta, but of oh, course. But we- We've moved on to the Chrissy Teigen pasta. Oh, well, yeah. that is um, politically correct of you. You know, at least you're hey, in the pasta lane. No, you're I wanna, right. I want to be clear, pasta. by the way. This isn't a political answer. This <clears throat> is purely because that spicy miso pasta from Chrissy Teigen rules. It rules. It's good. And if you want to make your, you know, make it, you'll like it. That's a real endorsement. I love Chrissy. Oh, my. Okay. All right. All right. We get it. She's the queen. <laughs> love Mayor her pasta. Twitter. We love Chrissy. She rules over us. Whatever she says goes. Chrissy Teigen. I appreciate her Animal Crossing game. Okay. All right. We've sucked all up right. to Chrissy plenty. She's the best. All right. Well, this enough. question is for John. Love it. All right, Jonathan. Okay. What is Ronan's favorite thing he read during quarantine? What? Hmm. What is the fa- what is Ronan read? <laughs> He's still typing. <laughs> it seems really, like a long answer. First of all, by the way, it's like we're not doing a lot of reading. But so let's. <laughs> well, no, no that that's not true. One, if you're on Twitter, you're reading. Favorite thing. <laughs> Technically, I think what we're running up against here is we are no longer literate, Akila. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's one. There's one. You read one thing. You kept trying to get me to read it with you, and I wouldn't. You read one thing. No, I but did read a thing. You were reading <laughs> something. Was you know what I'm talking about, though, Ronan? Do you know what I'm referring to? That you were you were saying like oh we should read this together and I was yes. like no I'm not gonna read anything I'm gonna watch Golden Girls no I read something that was very fun that I thought you'd enjoy that yes. I was trying to get you to read but I'm really I know <laughs> do we have I'm an really answer str- I'm at a, I don't have an answer but uh, uh, I honestly this is can't amazing think of a book a, any book you could lie <laughs> you know, do you have a book did you write a book down I did write a book down. Okay, and it okay. is a book that I, I read during quarantine. Can you give him a hint about the give book? Give me a hint. Give me a hint. Give me like one tiny hint. Is the book heavy? <laughs> uh, <laughs> is sorry. It, you all are killing me right now. Uh, Alex Trebek I'm gonna would guess, I'm going to guess, gonna guess gonna, In Cold Blood. No, I, I was going to say Kafka by the Shore. Uh, Kafka by the Shore. That was something you read when you were reading. I, 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 I we just, this, we blew it. We Let's blew just it. face okay. it. Yeah, you know what? It's it. okay. Sorry, this is the beginning of the game. It's not over. Kafka all right? by the Shore. Kafka by the Shore. Here is Kafka a question for Ronan, who read Kafka by the Shore, <laughs> as we all know now. What trait, skill, or interest does John Lovett have now that has been transferred to you over the course of this quarantine? Okay. <laughs> I immediately I... thought of something. Yeah, no, I know. Oh, no. <laughs> you know what it is? Yeah, I can't stop absolutely. laughing at you all. It's like really clear. Yeah, very clear to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. What awful trait have I conveyed to him just during quarantine? It's like really yeah. just during quarantine. Like right? over the course of quarantine. Over the course has... Oh, it, it has to be exclusively during the quarantine. Well, it quarantine. says I over I mean, the course. I, I'm an, I think I know what you're referring to. Mm. If it has to be, I mean, I listen, I guess I'm the one who decides. So it doesn't have to be, I guess, only, but. Okay, okay, thank you. My good. answer is Diet wait. Coke Fiend. Yeah, that's it. Yes! <laughs> that's it. Oh, wait, oh, he's supposed to say it. He's right, supposed to say it okay. and confirm it. You're just going to have to trust me that wait. I was going to say. I trust you because addiction. you didn't was, even really waver. Was. There was not even a moment. No, there's no I doubt. I believe you would have, like. I was not a diet soda drinker or a soda drinker full stop. I was a water guy, I was a juice guy, I was a milk guy. Mm. And now. The vices have transferred. Yeah. Definitely <laughs> the soda. Really, no no fun vices, actually, just the, the diet. Yeah, you're vice. like, it's a really wholesome vice. It's I a little know, bit yeah. of caffeine. 
Yeah. Sort of insulting to eating cookie dough by the jar. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that has yet to transfer over as yeah, listen, you don't uh, and as ta- fulsome a way as he embraces uh, the cookie dough from the jar lifestyle. You don't, I'll take a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> when it's available, you've been known to try some. Well, here is a question okay. for John Levitt. All right. Who should have Ronan kept in better touch with during quarantine? Wow. I mean, I know my answer. I miss you, Ronan. <laughs> Where have you been? Thank you, Akila. Let's hang. We, I could stand outside your house and just wave. <laughs> I, you know, I would. So that long. would be better than my social life baseline at this point. I don't Same. see people. My serotonin this is, this would is a completely hard one. refill. A of, I, I, I'm going to do a category. I'm going to do a category of person. Oh, wow. Curveball. Maybe. I don't know. Will you? I, listen, I'm, a, I'm fine with you. <laughs> okay, category's fine. Childhood right. friends. Uh, the answer is law school friends. Oh, uh, that was my other go. That was my other answer. Did you know any of your childhood friends in law school? (laughs) Did they go to law school as well? No, but I I am still friends with a few, like, second grade, fifth grade, summer camp friends. Not high school, because you skipped high school. That's pretty tight. It's not a big deal. There you go. (laughs) I don't think it's actually a good thing, because there's a bunch of social cues he missed. That's why I'm so dysfunctional. (laughs) You know... I can relate. I skipped middle school, so I have this inflated sense of confidence that wasn't beaten out of me at age 11. Yeah. That's what happened here. That's what happened here. I'm like, sorry, guys. I just, by the time you knew me, I was hot. It's unfortunate, but we all know the truth. Yeah. My awkward phase is about to end. (laughs) High school seems like a nightmare. Everything I know about high school is from like, you know, breakfast club or something and it just seems terrible to me yeah if you learn from me like movies it's just like people with hot step siblings that want to date them like that's what i've learned from high school movies uh nothing else well ronan this one's for you what is the hobby that john decided to pick up in quarantine that he has already abandoned he's given up on a dream so many dead dreams a dream deferred (laughs) um, dead inside Hobby, you know, you, it was easy. You know the answer instantly. It was simple to you. Uh, for for me. <laughs> okay. Okay. Seems like Ronan has been thinking about all of these things <laughs> in your life. Just, just negative, dark thoughts about. Yeah, you're God. like, I know what he's giving up. Racing through my mind. I, I'm gonna say. Um, fully. I mean, is this fully abandoned or sometimes returns to? Hope springs eternal, Akila. <laughs> That's right. You, you know, we can never judge. Uh, the correct answer is. Ring Fit Adventure. Oh, that's right. I said cooking because I couldn't think of anything, but I did give up on the Ring Fit Adventure. You that's still fair. cook. That's cooking fair. I still have cook a bit, but not as yeah, much. Yeah, I mean, we just heard about this I pasta. Was, I was grilling salmon. I, I had to, like, salmon. borrow, beg, and steal and strangle a man with my bare hands to get a copy of Ring Fit Adventure. For people <laughs> who don't know, it's a, it's a fitness game. You killed a tension ring. Oh, I've you heard Yoshi. about this. I had to kill Yoshi. Oh, it's very wow. sad. Do you guys uh, have, then, like, uh, just, like, pieces of this game? Just a lot, like... Like it came with extra. There, crap. There's detritus from the abandoned <laughs> ring fit. No, I still I still do the ring fit occasionally. It's a very good workout. It must be nice. All right, some <sighs> yeah. of us are struggling with motivation. Yeah, I love I it. I got it. Point taken. I'll work out more. All right, Mister Levitt, this is for you. <laughs> Both of us with the motivation. Ask my editors. All right. It's a Tuesday evening, and Ronan wants to flake on a Zoom happy hour. What is the excuse? Okay, that's easy. That's easy. That's easy. I got it. I'm so flattered that you think that I'm invited to happy hour. <laughs> hey, hey, we're supposed hey. to believe you wouldn't be invited. You're a Disney prince. <laughs> Get out of here. I have Sit my answer. Down. It's easy. I have my answer. I'm ready to call it out. It's super simple, super easy. All right. The excuse is he's on deadline. That is correct. I'm, I'm on, on deadline. A perfect I got to say, excuse. what's really exciting about this is we did much worse in April. All right? Really? 
We we did much worse in April. Oh, we yeah, were there really was great struggling, discord. and we are getting questions right. Yeah, I just want to be clear: this is a real excuse. It's, he's always on deadline. It's not a fake excuse. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, life is just one long deadline. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> You're yeah. never lying. Dying since the day we were born, Akila. Yeah. Every day I get a little bit closer to the uh, whatever happens there. Well, that oh, got a really dark again. Dark edition of the. Uh, <laughs> we never no, keep it's it. not. We're having so much fun. <laughs> yeah. We're, the backdrop is the end of the world, not us. <laughs> we're just living in it. Oh, God. All right. Well, this is I'm the just final question. Last one. That was fun. Final question oh, for wow. Ronan. Okay. There's two. There's okay. a final okay, question okay, for okay, both okay, of okay. You. Final question for Ronan. Okay. It is 2 a.m. And Postmates is at the door again. What did John order? Oh, that's easy. <laughs> All right. John, are you ready to confirm? Go. Chicken parm. <laughs> the look. McDonald's? At 2 oh, come on. At 2 a.m.? What's coming oh, at 2 a.m.? Two, okay. 2 a.m. I mean, my L.A. shade says still, nothing. Nothing is coming. Chicken parm. It's hard to find a good chicken parm at 2 a.m., but I can get some nugs. All right. Mm. I, I stand corrected. That is, that is a fair correction. He is discerning. In his chicken parm it, fandom. That's, that's a good point. And I personally haven't had a chicken nugget this entire time. And that is what I'm having for lunch now. So thank you for that inspiration. I love a chicken nugget. Yeah, it's, um, there's, that, um, there's that internet chain letter called uh, Rocco's Basilisk, which is this idea that the entire world is an evil simulation by an AI that's testing us to see if when the time comes, we will bow to the AI. And so this is a simulation to find out if we're people that are on the robot side or people on human side. And so the test is somebody will say to you, have you heard of Rocco's Basilisk? And then you find out that you're living in a simulation and you have to decide whether or not you would support the robot or not. And I obviously support the robot. I support the AI. I would do whatever they said. That's how the robot knows to unplug me and give me a good life and not punish me for all eternity. The point being... <laughs> Oh, we just we just got the tolerant nod from Akila. <laughs> I'm like, sure, the point, <laughs> sure that happens. The point being, the point being, chicken nuggets are in many ways like the Rocco's Basilisk in the senses <laughs> when somebody introduces the concept of chicken nuggets to you in the simulation, the um, simulation then finds out whether or not you'll order them or not because just the idea of them compels us to eat them. Wow, I think John true. just vented his secret anxiety that I'm a Cylon is what just happened. <laughs> I think I got to cut down on the uh, micro doses. Yeah, you got to like really lock up your inbox. I feel like you're getting a lot of spam <laughs> that you're reading for some reason. <laughs> Delete. So <laughs> final question. Final question. So, here we go. Oh, there's, there's one more. One more. Yes, for John. Okay. Here we go. Everyone knows. Wow, I didn't write this question, so before I get to it, I just want to apologize. Is this the one that tears us apart? We'll find out. Okay. We'll find I out. mean, we'll find out. it might ruin our friendship, so I just want you to know I didn't write this. We know that this is whatever is about to happen is an instigation by a scamp named Travis, and we yeah. won't fall for the it. The only thing we can say for sure at any given time in this game is that Akilah's my friendship will remain strong. <laughs> That's right. I am never going to be invited back. That will survive. <laughs> Well, this was this has been real. This, this these years of friendship, I appreciated them, John. Oh my god, what is this fucking question? <sighs> All right, it was going so well. I don't feel point. comfortable asking, but I'm going to. I just wanted to be clear that I I may end the segment. I just may end this. Whatever this question is, I am very much prepared to end this right now. What is the question, Akila? Here we go. Uh, the question is. Fuck you, Travis. How dare you, Travis? We're at, I want everyone to know that we actually cut the last question. We actually cut it. Oh, yeah, you should leave it all of the build-up and literally just... Like, let the team no, decide. No, the team will not decide. 
Aquila Hughes. This got well, this just, was great. This got so weird at the end. Especially the stuff we cut was great. Yeah, all I can say is you all missed out on the real after dark <laughs> version of this. Well, when we come back, we'll see if you succeed in booking me on the second again. <laughs> yeah, I I just got fired weirdly. It was weird. No one, everybody did great except for Travis. When we come back, we'll have my interview with Imani Barberin about some of the hurdles people with disabilities face to participate in democracy and what we can do to be involved. Thank you, Aquila. <laughs> Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye, Akila. Thank you, Ronan. Bye, Ronan. Thank always, you, Ronan Always a Farrow. pleasure. Ronan, a hero. Weird. You all are so cute. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I love the book, The Power Broker, the epic biography of former New York City planner Robert Moses. So I'm breaking it down 100 pages at a time and talking to special guests about why this book matters, like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I actually think if it wasn't for Robert Moses, I probably wouldn't have run for Congress. Listen to 99% Invisible's breakdown of The Power Broker every month on the 99% Invisible podcast feed. And we're back. She's a writer, blogger, and disability rights activist. Welcome, Imani Barberin. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. So uh, I'm, I've been eager to talk to you for a while, uh, but like right now at this moment, we are in the midst of a kind of cycle of political conversation. Um, and I know you've uh, tweeted about this, but you know, Trump today denied that he had mini strokes and that it's not affecting his gait. There's been this attack and insult directed at him after, uh, you know, he walked down the ramp slowly. On the other hand, Trump attacks Biden for being sleepy Joe, for not being all there, for being mentally unfit and taken over by AOC and Antifa. So this has obviously become a part of this campaign. How do you feel about that? How do you see it? And what do you think is the, if there is any, a kind of appropriate way to push back on Trump's attacks on Biden on issues like this? Well, I think any sort of conversation around capacity is the wrong one. Anybody has the capacity for harm, whether or not you believe they are intelligent or not, which is intelligence is a construct as well. And so I really think that we need to be evaluating people's actions absent of this conversation of intelligence and brain power, willpower, physicality. Because we have, we're seeing a very, very detrimental record from the Trump administration on disability. Um, when we think about the 180,000 lives lost, most of them are people with disabilities or pre-existing conditions. I'd rather talk about that than talk about whether or not he's using a ramp to get up to a speech to, to spew hate. Um, for me, I'm like, who cares about how he got up there? What is he saying once he's there? A lot of times we like to think of these isms, whether it be ableism or racism, as a way to hurl and discredit any sort of political candidate. And it doesn't really work because it always harms people that are um, marginalized based on ability. You know, having a conversation on whether or not Trump could hold a cup doesn't hurt Trump. It hurts the person that needs to help holding a cup. Um, having talks about intelligence doesn't hurt people like, quote unquote, Sleepy Joe. It hurts the person who's thinking about running for political office that may have a pre-existing condition. And it sets the mindset of people and potential voters whenever a person with a disability decides they may or may not want to run for office. I obviously agree with you. And, and, and I've even found myself after the ramp incident, right? Trump then does this crazy speech where he spends like 30 minutes, in the middle of a pandemic, he spends 30 minutes talking about the ramp. We made fun of him on 
one of the shows, I don't know, about how much of a big deal he was making about this ramp, how much it got to him. And a few people commented that, you know, you're contributing to this ableist discussion. And I, and I, it really did give me pause. Like, wait, hold on a second. Am I, am I like making a mistake here? Am I, am I not being thoughtful enough about this issue? Where I landed was that I, that's right. Of course, that's right. What do we do when there's somebody like Trump who makes basically being strong, being able, a centerpiece of his, both his persona and his attack against Joe Biden, when one of our jobs has to be to make Trump look weak, to attack him for being a hypocrite, to attack him on some of these scores? Like, what is the way to have that conversation without being ableist, without contributing to the harm you're talking about to a person who deserves every opportunity but can't lift a cup? And it shouldn't be part of how we evaluate that person. Well, even just the way you ask that question, you use the word crazy, which is a euphemism yeah. for mental health illness. And so we have to really evaluate our everyday language around ability and disability. When you use an analogy like mental health illnesses to denote something that is out of place or does not belong, then it'll never belong. And so when we talk about presidential candidates who use bluster and who use this idea of strength, there's a lot of ways in which he's weak that have nothing to do with his physicality or mental health. If he likes to talk about making deals, he can't make a deal to save his life. (laughs) <laughs> he talks about his pandemic response that has been non-existent. You talk, he talks about um, the way in which voters see him. He's now, what, 13% down in the polls in comparison to Biden. We have to start thinking about who people are and not necessarily how they present themselves. Because yeah. that's the way you evaluate in which they are, quote unquote, really strong. Because there are people like Timmy Duckworth, whose physicality does not lend itself to looking quote-unquote strong in the traditional sense. Yet she could dress somebody down in a congressional hearing any day of the week, right? So we have to really yeah, yeah. think that. You know, it's, I'm glad you point. It's funny, like, I, I, even in a conversation where I'm trying to be as thoughtful as possible, the word, the, you know, where I'm trying to, to kind of reflect the values we're trying to sort of represent in this conversation, I say crazy, right? It just—it's a word that just comes to me naturally. And I, I was, th- you know, what what do I mean when I call him crazy in that circumstance? I mean self-defeating, narcissistic, giving an extra amount of attention to something that doesn't deserve it. In some ways, untethered from reality. I go to this word crazy, and I'm I'm really honestly just sort of reflecting on the fact that like those parts of our language are so common. How do we begin to make that change to shift away from those? words, because I know there's a lot of people that hear something like this and are like, it's just a word that means, uh, we all know what it means when we ascribe it to Trump. What's wrong with using the word? It's not like doctors diagnose people as crazy, right? It's not like we use that. It's not in the list of, it's not a diagnosis. It's not a specific illness. It's a kind of representation of something we all know when we see it. How do you, how do you fight that kind of ingrained thing? Something I'm displaying in real time. I mean, it took a lot of work, and I'm not going to pretend that changing your lexicon in the way you describe things will not. It takes a lot of work. I slip up all the time, and I'm not saying that anybody is perfect or gets to a place when it's 100% accurate in terms of not using ableist language, but I know that I really try to reflect on what am I actually trying to say? Is it quote-unquote crazy, or is it nonsensical? Is it quote-unquote insane, or is it uh, out of place, like using the actual, what, what I actually mean instead of the placeholder, because a lot of times yeah, English yeah. language is just a placeholder for something else. So I really try to go yeah. back on what I'm trying to say and think, 
what am I actually trying to get across with this word? Yeah. Shocking and unexpected and, and wrong or dangerous or silly or what have you. Uh, so let's talk about voting. At Crooked, we've launched Every Last Vote, which is about supporting organizations and volunteering for organizations that are helping uh, fight voter suppression and turn out the vote, especially amongst marginalized communities. What are the big obstacles or challenges uh, for the disabled community in voting, in accessing voting? And what are some of the ways the pandemic has heightened those problems? There are so many different aspects to voting and disability. Sometimes I'm at a loss for words for just how deep it goes. There are people that don't believe people with disabilities should vote. Um, There are people that think that disabled people are too much of a burden in terms of the electoral process. You know, there are also things like signature matching in some places. There are people confuse proximity with accessibility. So simply because I have a voting, a ballot in my hand does not make it accessible to a lot of people. There are people who need plain language ballots. There are people that need, who are blind that need um, digital ballots so that they can read it on their computer screen using a screen reader. There are people who have dexterity issues that cannot fill out a ballot. Um, and even for me, ballots are confusing. Like, what am I voting on? Um, and it's, you just check it off and you're like, okay, was that a good or bad thing I just did? And so in a lot of ways, voting is inaccessible. There are polling stations where the machine isn't even plugged in for an accessible voting unit. There are people in jails who are not convicted of a crime who don't know that they can vote. These are all disability issues. And so with the pandemic, a lot of people with disabilities are extremely fearful of being outside because we're automatically high risk. And not only that, but you're wondering, do poll workers have enough training? Um, because there's a new like poll worker incentive. We're trying to get more poll workers that are under the age of 60. So will they really be trained well enough to get disabled people to vote and things like that. So there's so many different aspects. There's mailbox issues. There's, but like, am I ballot in time? The, I, the list goes on. It's all the, um, the universal access problems compounded by specific accommodation issues. So for people listening, you know, we actually are right now signing up people to work in the polls. Um, we're reaching out to people to be volunteers. What can a person without a disability who's going to be a poll worker, who's going to be a volunteer in Canvas and reach out to people, what is the best way to your mind that they can be allies to make sure that people with disabilities uh, can vote and every one of their votes will be counted? Make sure your materials are accessible. Make sure that you're using multiple ways of expressing the exact same information. Make sure that there's no barrier between uh, the person you're speaking to and the information you want to give them. Um, Also make sure that you're incorporating people with disabilities in the planning process of everything that you do. So when we talk about signing people up to vote, people with disabilities should be poll workers too if they feel so led. I know that this is a scary time, but I think that there are those that want to take that risk. I think that there's a lot of power to being seen at the polls and being seen casting your ballot. Traditionally, there are people like myself who's black and disabled whose um, ancestors fought for the right to vote. So there's a power to being going to the polls. So there will always be a certain percentage of people with disabilities going because they simply desire to be seen and counted. Um, and making sure that you have seating available for people who want to wait online. There's a whole host of things that you could be doing. Um, and always check in with your production advocacy agency for your state. And they do a lot of work around voting every single year and they'll have advice for you. In the fight to save 
the Affordable Care Act to protect access to Medicare, to prevent the repeal of pre-existing conditions. There were no groups that fought harder and I think had a bigger impact than disability advocates. They were an extraordinary part of the coalition um, who, through sit-ins, through through protests, through campaigns, uh, really played uh, an instrumental role in saving the Affordable Care Act. We are now, you know, heading into this election. Uh, what do you view as the biggest fight for disability rights if we do manage to win, if we are in a different world come January? What is on your mind and what do you think people need to know are the sort of the next transformational fights, not just about what we can save, but about changes we can make? Um, the big one is home and community-based services. Um, what we're seeing right now with the pandemic is that a majority of the clusters are um, in congregate care settings like nursing homes, institutions, jails, and prisons. And so people need to be served medically in their own homes. We need to get people to move into their own communities because it is life-saving. That is necessary. We need to have it happen. And right now, there's such a big push in disability circles to get that done because things like nursing homes are extremely scary. I lived in a nursing home for about two months in 2015, and it was a depressing devastating place. You wouldn't want anyone to live there, including people with disabilities. That is the big push that people are looking for now, making sure people can get the services that they need in their own communities. And a note to that is that people think that just because a person with a disability needs help, they need to be warehoused somewhere in order for that to happen. Needing help does not make you helpless and needing help does not mean that your life is any less than anybody, or anyone else's. So we need to start unpacking that stereotype and getting people into their communities. Joe Biden, the campaign has launched a plan for full participation and equality for people with disabilities. Does that plan do enough to your mind on helping people stay at home, stay in their communities? How do you think Joe Biden is doing as a candidate in terms of advocating for people with disabilities? Yeah, um, to my knowledge, a lot of disabled people are extremely excited about this aspect. Kamala Harris was actually the first candidate in the primaries to introduce a disability plan that that incorporated home and community-based services. And so I do think that it is a step in the right direction. And I think that there's so many other things that we could be doing, like social security, cost of living increases, um, means testing for Medicare and Medicaid as well, because the current system kind of traps disabled people in poverty, um, unless they decide to, to try to find a way to work, which He's very much so a tightrope walk. I am kind of upset with his reluctance to embrace universal health care. And I think that we really do need universal health care. I think we underestimate how many people with disabilities and with chronic illnesses live in this country who are uninsured or underinsured because they're kind of this in-between population. So that's kind of where I want him to go next. What are you watching right now? What are you streaming? What's the dumbest thing you're watching? What are you streaming? Well, I, I watched two seasons of Cobra Kai in two nights. Wow. People <laughs> I was, like Cobra Kai. I was very shocked that I liked it. And I was like, why am I watching this? Um, my dad and I used to watch um, The Karate Kid when I was younger. And so it kind of brought back memories. Um, pretty much that or The Game, which is a show that I used to watch with my mom. But yeah, like I, I, I'm, I'm not proud of my streaming choices at all. Here's the thing. This has been a terrible, terrible time. But I think the one permission it has given all of us is to not be apologetic about the things that we're watching. Forget drama or tension. I do not have the acuity right now to meet new characters. I don't want to learn any new names. I don't want to find out any backstories. I need 
Dorothy, Blanche, Rose, and Sophia. I need Jerry, George, Elaine, and Kramer. I cannot deal with new people. I need to just unwind. So I don't think we should be apologetic at all for watching Cobra Kai. Yeah, the the Rose family from Schitt's Creek knows me extremely, extremely well. Um, shout out to Dan Levy. So yeah, he's really been my rock throughout this time. <laughs> Um, which is, which is very, you know, my boyfriend's in the other room, like, can you stop watching? You've watched it like six or seven times at this point. Um, but it's so comforting. Well, Amani, thank you so much for taking the time. You know, these are important issues that we should be, uh, I think talking about more. Um, so, uh, I'm glad to finally get a chance to have you on the show and, uh, maybe we can touch base again as we get closer to the election about ways people can help to make sure everybody gets the chance to vote. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks to Imani Barbarin for joining us. When we come back, we're going to hear from listeners about the things they're doing to stay motivated as we head into the election. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. And we're back. This week, instead of a high note, we wanted to talk to listeners directly about what they're doing to stay motivated as we head into the home stretch. So uh, let's hit the phones. Hello? Hi, is this, uh, is it Aubrey or Abrey? Abrey. Abrey. See, it was a third option. Hi, Abrey. Uh, this is John. You're on with John, as we say here um, on a podcast. How you doing? Oh, this is so exciting. I am doing great. How are you? You know, we're fine. Everybody's, we're, I'm okay. All right. We're in the home stretch. There are 60 days to go. What are you doing to stay motivated? Um, so I work for a criminal justice reform organization called Cut 50. Um, we work with formerly and currently incarcerated people and people that are just involved with our justice system. And so I am very committed to working to make sure that their rights are restored, um, specifically to vote, especially in elections. And I think I'm encouraged every day by seeing people who have been defined by the worst thing they've ever done and turn that pain into motivation to change the world and to change laws. I think there's a lot more that can be done. And I think if things change in um, November, I think we'll have a really good shot at getting people freedom. So I'm motivated by that. You know, we are a country that thrives and our democracy functions better when everybody has a voice in it. So I am motivated by that and excited about it. I think our justice-involved community is a community that needs to be heard, and they are the community that will turn out and vote because they're impacted by laws in a disproportionate way. Okay. Abri, thank you so much for sharing that. Let me ask you this question. What are you streaming right now? What are you watching? What am I watching right now? Oh, my gosh. It's going to sound so bad, but I have rewatched Vanderpump Rules like 15 times during quarantine. <laughs> rewatched. Rewatched. That is awful. That is awful. I don't want to judge. My brain is just like mush. I don't want to judge. All of our brains are mush, but I'm rewatching things too. I just, I'm rewatching Seinfeld and I'm rewatching Golden Girls. You know, a lot of the crooked cast is watching Golden Girls. That's what's happening. I don't know why. So I listen to you guys and to keep it. And Ira talks about Golden Girls all the time. I just, I never watched it growing up and I don't know if I can commit to it on Hulu right now. And, and I understand that. And I joke, but I support Look, all of our brains are mush, and I can't meet new characters, and so I totally understand watching Vanderpump Rules. Abri, thank you so much for sharing uh, what motivates you. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Take care. Stay safe. You too. Watch Vanderpump Rules, and have a good day. No. Everything but that. <laughs> 
All right. Have a good one. Hi, is this Laura? Yes, this is Laura. Hi, Laura. You're on with John. Uh, calling oh, from my the, gosh. the podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. my gosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is so crazy. Okay. Hello. Hi, Laura. Okay. So, Laura, mm-hmm. we're in the home stretch. We sure are. 60 days to go. What are you doing to stay motivated? So, my husband just became a U.S. citizen this past June. Very exciting. He fled Syria to Jordan. I was living in Jordan, and we came here in 2015, and this is the first time he's ever going to vote in his life. And he is so motivated, and it's so exciting to see how motivated he is. That's awesome. That it, like, I'm, like, even more excited. (laughs) It's going to be a crazy election for us, for our family, and for everybody, really, but... (laughs) And then I'm working as a poll worker. I was inspired. And now I think Arlington has like too many poll workers. So I'm waiting for my precinct to be assigned to me. But I'm very excited about that, too. That's awesome. Thank you for signing up to do that. Yeah. It's a really scary election. But man, to get to have your first vote Mm -hmm. be in this kind of consequential moment given what Trump has been doing around immigration, what he, it's, a, it's an incredible statement. So I think that's it's inspiring. When we came to the United States in 2015, he received his green card literally the day after the 2016 election. And like it was the scariest moment, but a big sigh of relief. And we've just worked hard to get him to become a U.S. citizen. His naturalization ceremony had been postponed because of COVID. Thank God he was able to get in in June. And yeah, it's been a wild ride, but we're ready. We're ready for to make a change. <laughs> we're ready. Sure. We're ready. We are ready. And now, Laura, I'm asking everybody today, mm-hmm. what are we what are we clicking play on? What are we what what are you watching? What horrible thing are you streaming during this time? Oh my gosh. I'm a giant fan of Love Island oh my God. and Below Deck. <laughs> wow. Those are my mindless TV shows. <laughs> I'm very invested. <laughs> no one no one, literally no one is like, oh, I'm watching a documentary about Vietnam. It's 100% shit. And I love it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, no, no one has time for that. <laughs> my brain needs like a go to and Love Island. It is. <laughs> well, Laura, congratulations to you. Congratulations to your husband on becoming a citizen and getting to vote in this election. And thank you for uh, thank you for sharing your story. And thanks for being a poll worker. Thanks for for all the content you guys put out. It keeps me going. That's what we do here. Content to keep you going. <laughs> Bye, Laura. Yes, thank you. Let's do one more. I think we only have women who wrote in. Usually there's a couple gay guys mixed in. There's a guy, uh, Will. He's been on the show a couple times. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know what? Let's leave this in. I want Will to know that we're not calling you, Will. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe you said that like we wouldn't remember Will either. Yeah, Sydney's like, there's this guy, Will. We know Will, all right? (laughs) We haven't met him six times. <laughs> if we call my name, it could be a different Will. It's not. It's not. Hi, is this Jess? Yeah. Hi, Jess. You're on with John, as we say here at Love or Leave It. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing fine. Everybody here is fine. Ronan's fine. I'm fine. But the point here is we're trying to get people motivated. Yes. In the last 60 days, after a hard six months. That's right. After a hard four years, what are you doing? to stay motivated, to stay upbeat? So aside from being enraged all the time by doom scrolling, sure. Um, I try to channel that energy into different local groups around here in Charlotte, North Carolina. 
So we have an indivisible chapter, and they've tapped me to be the leader in their voter suppression efforts, which is huge in North Carolina, as you may have heard. To fight voter suppression. You're not trying to suppress the vote. Yeah, I'm not for voter suppression. Anti-voter suppression. (laughs) Anti-voter suppression, yeah. So we're trying to stop (laughs) um, voter suppression. Um, So we're working with groups like Black Voters Matter. Um, They're getting a caravan to go around to different districts to help get out the vote. Um, So we're making sure that rolls through District 9, which tried to disenfranchise voters the last time. I'm writing letters through Vote Forward. That's a good way to have my wine at the end of the night. Nice. Also making phone calls through like phone banking for you can vote, helping to register voters and helping people to navigate all the different ways in North Carolina that you can vote here. You hear that, people? <laughs> you hear what Jess is doing? I'm trying. She's writing letters with her Chardonnay, <laughs> with her Chablis. John, I'm trying. I'm She's really working with Latasha's group. She's really trying. I'm really trying. I'm really afraid. And that's the only way that I can get through the next 60 days is by doing something. We're all afraid. You can either be afraid and trying or just afraid, <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah. When you finish writing your letters yeah. to Democratic voters who maybe haven't voted in a while. That's right. Or when you're done with your meeting with uh, Latasha's group about turning out the vote. Right. You open up your, your laptop or you, you turn on your TV and look, let's all face it. No one has ever said in these conversations that they're watching something that they're proud of. What are, what are you watching? Um, I started watching Friday Night Lights. I've never watched that before. Compared to some of the reality shows that we have heard today, <laughs> that, is, that is opera compared to some of, the, uh, some of the choices people are making, which I support, to be clear. You know, I'm in the cerebral path. I'm not like going like trash. Amazing. Um, but I mean, the football and the God in Texas is still a little much for me. So I'm trying to get past that. Okay. Okay. Well, Jess, thanks for everything that you're doing. And uh, thanks for, uh, you know, writing all those letters. Great. Thanks so much for calling me. Love it. Appreciate all you guys do and for um, keeping us motivated. Thanks, everybody who called in. We still want to hear your high notes. And if you want to leave us a message, you can call us about something that gave you hope at 424-341-4193. There are now 59 days until the election. Sign up for Vote Save America to elect Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, hold the House, win the Senate, and elect Democrats up and down the ballot. Thank you to Akila Hughes, Ronan Farrow, Imani Barbarin, and everyone who spoke to us on the phone. Thank you to our grocery workers, truck drivers, delivery people, restaurant workers, flight attendants, teachers, administrators. Thank you to our doctors and nurses and EMTs and first responders. Thank you to our whole staff. We're going to keep this show going out and Crooked going strong. And here to send us out a few more back in the closet songs we didn't get to share. Thanks so much for sending them and have a great weekend. Love It or Leave It is a Crooked Media production. It is written and produced by me, John Lovett, Elisa Gutierrez, Lee Eisenberg, and our head writer and the president of the East Sider Biden writers, Travis Helwick. Jocelyn Kaufman, Alicia Carroll, and Peter Miller are the writers. Our assistant producer is Sydney Rapp. Bill Lance is our editor, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Our theme song is written and performed by Sure Sure. Thanks to our designers, Jesse McLean and Jamie Skeel, for creating and running all of our visuals, which you can't see because this is a podcast. And to our digital producers, Narm Elkonian and Milo Kim, for filming and editing video each week so you can.
party, party, it's a quarantine party. Party, party, it's a quarantine party. Back, 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 back in the closet. Zany sitcom at the White House on the TV screen. 
I had to give myself a hand at the band I had planned for it. Holland, Elfman, Gavin, Pullman, he's a big league brand. I was our generation Norman Lear and this was my opus. Once the pundits could see it, I'd rake in plenty of dough. That's just imagine my surprise at all the lies that these guys from People TV Guide Variety, the LA Times, tried to tell about my show. They said if you watch 1600 Pen, it'll make you never want to watch your TV again. But what hurt the most was when I heard Obama say, this was your worst idea since Monterey. I'm sorry, Obama. I never meant to hurt you. I never meant to make you cry. So tonight, I'm back inside my closet. I said sorry, Obama. Seriously, John? I never meant to hurt you. Spinach and Archer. I never meant to make you cry. So tonight, I'm back inside my closet. You don't need a new mate. I got a rich history of closet activity, and though I confide that I had to decide to stop denying it at 17 and threw it all by the wayside with all that implied, it ain't been a joyride. Let's go back to 1993 before I ever tried to get this fucking show on TV. We took a fateful trip to Hooters. As I sat at the table, I shot my dad a look that said, get me out if you're able. Then flash forward, and I'm watching Kelsey Grammer and co. And I'm thinking that one day this kid could have his own show. I'm watching Frasier for days. My eyes are glazed. They're fixed to the screen. I study the ways that they play with their verbal melee and I say ever seen. The brilliant display of their banter and wit are a part of my DNA, but I'm only human, and my dream would only bring me dismay. What I did was stupid. I was naive to think I'd ever reach the heights of what the Cranes had achieved, but when Barack came in and told me that he hated my show, I swear I've never felt so low. I'm sorry, Obama. I never meant to hurt you. I never meant to make you cry, so tonight I'm back inside my closet. I said sorry, Obama. I never meant to hurt you. I never meant to make you cry, so tonight I'm back inside my closet. So now I've ditched my ambition, I found a new competition I'm playing Breath of the Wild, sitting on the floor of my kitchen I got my locks piled high, the bagel cinnamon raisin Gotta get my 6 to 10 servings of carbohydrates a day, son Then I hear a lock turning, and I know what's in store The golden boy himself, Ronan Farrow, opens the door He's got a closet full of Pulitzers, his plaudits are legion While I can't keep a sitcom on the air for more than one season I'm an interesting person, I take 30 minutes tops to get myself out of an escape room can't keep me in that box I invent new earthquake measures on a linear scale while I shill for sheets and shams in both sateen and for kale I'll fuck up Lachlan Murdoch name the time and the place where I can give that dick a fair and balanced punch to his face but Ronan gets the book deals he's the one who gets praise while I'll be making simply safe ads for the rest of my days I got danger field levels of disrespect but when I look at Ronan he keeps saying what you expect I ask what he means, he says 1600 pence, so I guess it's time to go back in the closet again. I'm sorry, Ronan. I never meant to hurt you. I never meant to make you cry, so tonight I'm back inside my closet. One more time! I said I'm sorry, Ronan. I never meant to hurt you. I never meant to make you cry, so tonight.
I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I love the book, The Power Broker, the epic biography of former New York City planner Robert Moses. So I'm breaking it down 100 pages at a time and talking to special guests about why this book matters, like Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I actually think if it wasn't for Robert Moses, I probably wouldn't have run for Congress. Listen to 99% Invisible's breakdown of The Power Broker every month on the 99% Invisible podcast feed.